Welcome to Always and Forever, a spoiler-free One Tree Hill podcast where we analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. This week we are discussing Things I Forgot at Birth, the second episode of season four, and also the 69th produced episode of the series, if we count the unaired pilot. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> Anyway, this show is written by the show's creator and showrunner, directed by Greg Prage, and originally aired on the CW Network on October 4th, 2006. According to the episode description in our OTH DVD box sets, this is the one with 18 candles and only one friend. Brooke shares her birthday with Rachel. Meanwhile, Nathan is sure he saw something supernatural at the accident scene and Dan sees the word murderer wherever he looks. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Unless you're Dan Scott and people think that you're murdering people. Just a boring old true, I'm Caitlin Illinich. And going through a whole lot of white girl drama, I am Jeremy Rodriguez. <laughs> yes. Although I can relate to being a bitter old shrew. <laughs> or boring old shrew, yes. I should say. I thought that gosh, was funny. <laughs> it was funny. Imagine being a boring old shrew at 17 now. I know, right? <laughs> oh. Anyway... Things I forgot at birth. There were a lot of things I forgot at birth, Caitlin. Um, like everything? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so let's dive in. So this episode is named after the album by the band The Absentee. And it's very funny, actually, because in season four, if you go through, like, you know, each episode title, a lot of the episodes are named after full albums rather than songs. I noticed the next one was, too, actually. Oh, it's the, the next one. See, it's that soon. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was working we on the playlist. out for us a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, however, I mean, for, for this album, I did listen to the whole thing. I... I couldn't really understand a lot of the lyrics, and there aren't any lyrics online, unfortunately. The album was fine, it was okay, but I didn't really, like, pull anything from my actual listening session <laughs> with it. No, it's an album from 2003, and it's, like, I don't know, One Tree Hill, like, indie-style music, you know, that kind of feel. And the title is interesting, like, you know they chose it because it's all about Brooke's birthday in this episode. <laughs> and the title has birth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I'm just going to state the obvious. That's a deep analysis, actually. Don't cut yourself short for that. But Things I Forgot at Birth. That title. Well, what would you even remember from birth? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there's, like, a deeper meaning to it, but it's... Well, I know there is, but it's, like, that's... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's more talking about, like, you know, your past life, I guess you could say. Because if you think about it, like, this is Brooke's birthday. This is, like, a new beginning for her. 
And she's essentially like, she hasn't forgotten her about her friendship with Peyton or her previous relationship with Lucas, but it's something that she's trying to forget. I feel like that's something that we could extrapolate from it. Yeah, and the one thing that I could really pull from this was like reflecting on the past. And I feel like we have a lot of the characters doing that in this episode. Like, Brooke is literally looking back in the scrapbook. And Peyton is kind of reminiscing about the memories that she has with Brooke on her birthday and stealing the things from the store. We also have Karen, who is pregnant with another child and is, I mean, she pulled out that crib in this episode and... I think that brings up a lot of past memories and especially Dan putting it back together for her makes her think about the past and reflect on like how things were, how things could be. Well, that was like my biggest takeaway from it. (laughs) Whether that's a stretch, I don't know. I don't think it's that much of a stretch. Yeah. I mean, there's not much to it. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately. But listeners, if you have a deeper meaning, if this is an album that you absolutely love, please feel free. Email us your thoughts, alwaysothpod at gmail.com, because we would love to be challenged on stuff like this. Please, we love it. And I still stand by the fact that you don't remember anything at birth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Seriously, though, like, okay, maybe not remember things at birth, but do you have, like, little flashes of memories of yourself as a baby? No. Like, very subtle details, because, like, I actually have, like, a clear image in my head of, like, laying in my parents' bed drinking a bottle. Really? Yeah. I don't remember anything else about it. I just remember, like, you know, there's the bottle, like, I'm holding it in my hand, and I'm drinking out of it. But that's... That's all I remember. Nothing else. I just have, like, a vivid memory of, like, that specifically. I mean, I can think of memories no earlier than, like, four or five. Little flashes. No, I don't don't think I have any kind of memory like that when you're so young, drinking a bottle or whatever. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember anything else that was, like, happening, like, what was going on, but I I feel like I have a vision of, like, my, my parents' TV was on in our bedroom. And I'm just chilling. Okay, okay. But that's it. I don't know if that's, like, a weird thing to have a memory of that, or if I'm just, like, you know, making it up with, like, other memories in my mind. I have no idea. Yeah, that's (laughs) the weird thing about memory. It's, like, the way you remember it, was it actually like that? You know, like, are you remembering it? You're remembering it as being a a little baby, or two-year-old, or whatever. And maybe it was when you were a little bit older than that. And you're holding a sippy cup. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, who you knows, know what I mean? <laughs> it's so funny how memory works like that, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for all I know, it was like a sippy cup and I was like six. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like remembering, like, I was a baby and I was drinking a bottle. For all I know, it could be a dream. I don't freaking know. Yeah, that's true. It's, memory is wild. Uh-huh. Um, but Cooper's memory is still very vivid, and in this episode, he wakes up, and that is very good for him. The, uh, the asshole cop tries to question Cooper, the one who was, like, really confronted Rachel, and, uh, Cooper lies, saying, like, oh, I just lost control of the car, because he didn't want Rachel to get in trouble. And then shortly after that, he is asking Rachel if everything was okay. Rachel's like, oh, yeah, I'm fine, and then Cooper's like, the baby... 
is the baby okay? Because if we remember from the last episode, I feel like that's a detail that she could easily forget, honestly. It's like, oh yeah, that's right, Cooper still thinks Rachel's pregnant, oh no. Yeah, that's so wild. Mm-hmm. Like, he woke up and immediately remembered everything. Yeah. Which is kind of hard to believe when you're in, like, an accident like that. <laughs> that you would immediately yeah. wake up and remember all of those details and what happened. You think there would be a little bit of more confusion, potentially? Yeah. I don't like how the cops come in immediately. Like, he just woke up. Right, exactly. I give him some time, damn it. <laughs> but yeah, but, but no, I mean, I can buy that Cooper remembered what was, what happened, like, shortly before the accident. He probably wouldn't remember, like, what led up to the accident or anything like that. Like, I don't think he would remember that, like, Rachel caused it or anything like that, but... I don't know. I'm just thinking from experience of, like, my, my own car accident. Like, all I remember was the car... I remember the car colliding, and I remember the car being, like, in the middle of the road. But I don't remember, like, anything, like, you know, during that little gap of time or anything like that. Yeah. So, and in that case, like, I feel like I relate, I very much, like, relate to, like, Nathan in this episode for that reason. Because, like, you know, there's, like, his memory seems to be a little bit fuzzy. And he doesn't remember certain things. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But Cooper remembers enough to then lie about it to cover for Rachel. Like, he's still trying to protect her. Yup. I mean, I feel like at that point, he self- he thinks, like, oh, that's that woman's carrying my child. Yeah. Potentially. So he's concerned about that. But also, too, um, spoiler, not spoiler, this is Michael Truco's last episode of the series. So this is just a convenient way to get him off the show. As well. That's really sad. Yeah, it really is. <sighs> and there's not a lot of closure there. Really. Not really, no. He just, he leaves, basically. Yeah, Cooper tells Rachel to get out. He has a really good scene with Nathan. He keeps calling Nathan a hero. And Nathan just keeps trying to downplay it. Trying to say, I'm no hero. Like, he, does, he doesn't understand, like, you know, what happened during the accident. And that actually leads to... Nathan having a conversation with Rachel, and Rachel says, you saved my life, and I'm gonna thank you for it. And then she kisses Nathan on the cheek, and then she's like, you have Cooper's eyes. And then she walks out. I know, that was a little creepy. It very much seems like a, uh, fatal attraction type deal. (laughs) I don't know, it's so weird to me. This, that should be the furthest thing from her mind right now. Trying liking Nathan potentially. I could buy it as like a hero worship syndrome type of deal. I don't know. Storyline bores me. We, we do- <laughs> I don't like where this is going. I know. Like we know a little bit too much about like what's to come with this storyline right here. And even the drama queens have talked about this. They said like this would have been like a really interesting storyline if they dived into the hero worship element of it. And again, without revealing too much, that's not where this goes at all. But I feel like it could have been very interesting, potentially. If, like, you know, Rachel just, like, develops these feelings for Nathan, just because, like, oh, he saved my life. Like, what's, you know, like, I I, I owe him something, you know? Yeah, I don't want to say too much more. Yeah. (laughs) I just thought that scene was a little creepy and inappropriate, kind of. I don't know. I mean, given that he's married, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she just kissed him on the cheek. 
which, okay, but what she said after that was a little about the, his eyes. I don't know. Just all of it together was just too much for me. <laughs> I mean, in a way, you can be, yeah, you can be sympathetic and saying, like, oh, she misses Cooper, and she's just, like, looking for, like, essentially a replacement, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, But again, I don't want to say too much. <laughs> I feel like this, what I'm just saying now is I feel like from, from what we know right now, this could have been very interesting and ends up not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but Nathan has obviously having some PTSD and he tells Lucas that he saw Keith. Yeah. Where is that coming from? I don't know. Because you see, so the episode starts off with Nathan under the car, like he's saved, trying to save Rachel and Cooper. And then Cooper says, we're both dead or whatever. And then that's when, like, the dream ends or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he wakes up at the, at the bridge, right? Yes, yes. He was lay- laying down at the bridge. So, yeah, he's definitely experiencing some post traumatic stress from that whole thing which is totally understandable but seeing keith down there i don't know where they're going with this if it's like nathan was in limbo like did nathan almost died and like ben saw keith and then was able to like come back up for air i i don't know it almost seems like they're adding some like unnecessary supernatural elements to one tree hill too and that's not what i watch one tree hill for I mean, no. obviously, I love supernatural shows, like, hello, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is my favorite show of all fucking time, but, like, I don't go to One Tree Hill for this, you know? No, no, so I'm not really sure where this is supposed to be going, mm-hmm. but, I mean, it's a nice idea, Keith was down there trying to help him, but why is Nathan so haunted by that? He knows yeah. that Keith is not actually down there, or couldn't have been down there, so... What? I don't know. (laughs) Is Keith secretly alive? (laughs) I know, right? Like, come on. So these two storylines with Cooper and Rachel and then the whole Nathan thing. I don't know. This this is not my favorite part of this episode at all. It it feels very daytime soap opera-like, too, because... I, I mean, this is like a regular thing if you watch like a lot of daytime soaps. Like... You know, characters will, like, come back from the dead, like, all mysteriously and whatnot. I feel like that's what One Tree Hill is trying to do, but One Tree Hill, it goes over the top a lot, but it is grounded in reality to some extent. Yeah. So that's not what, like... It doesn't work with this style of show. (laughs) (laughs) A thousand percent now. Speaking of other things that don't work, Dan and Karen... (laughs) <laughs> <Good segue. laughs> thank you i try <laughs> um so for so for one thing i just want to note that like uh dan is feeling a lot of guilt he's uh he has a package delivered at his office and he thinks the delivery person says give, give me your signature here mr murderer <laughs> he's seeing it everywhere and hearing it everywhere also, did you see the previously on for this? They make it seem like Dan just, like, shoots Keith and just says, You're no longer my brother. Shoot. <laughs> like, that's a little over the top. Oh, my God. 
It really is. But anyway, um, in this episode as well, we see that uh, Karen is throwing away her crib in the trash. Or, like, Which Lucas is old. she should be. Why do you say it like that for? It's 17 years old. That thing should, that thing would be dangerous. <laughs> you have to update yeah, that stuff. You can't. It's probably been, like, recalled at this point. But also, I'm just like, if she was ever planning on having any kids, like, why did she keep it for 17 years? I know, that's really strange. <laughs> Going on 18 years, you know? And she says it was, like, you know, third hand 17 years ago. Which I'm like, yeah, maybe you should get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> because she was going to try to repurpose it and use it for this new baby that she's expecting from Keith. And of course, Dan sees this in the trash and mm-hmm. then puts it all back together, making yes, it a nice does. crib. Which, okay, they wanted to show that gesture, that like personal gesture that he's trying to like support Karen. But yeah, you should not be using a crib that's that old. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's like, maybe do some Google and see if it has been recalled. Because I have strong feelings about that. You can only keep car seats for a few years. I'm not kidding. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, They're I, always no. needing to be updated and you need new ones and whatnot. So, yeah. Okay. I so know crib. nothing about this. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, I, I thought this scene was interesting because Karen... Dan comes in and Karen's kind of facing like the counter or the wall or whatever when she's in the kitchen and she just starts to go on like, you're basically not welcome (laughs) and I don't want anything to do with you. And then Dan brings the crib in and she turns around and you can tell that she kind of like softens in that moment because he did something like that, which was kind of out of character for Dan actually, to see him do something that kind. It is very kind, but I feel like the way this whole entire scenario is coming off is that Dan is doing this to ease his guilt. Yes. And not because he's doing it because he, like, he genuinely loves Karen or anything like that. Yes. Or, like, he has, like, feelings for Karen, and and I don't know, like... I feel like years ago, I really bought into the storyline, like, oh, he's trying to change. But now that I'm looking at this, I'm like, with with everything else going on, it just doesn't seem authentic to me. I feel like if this whole entire thing with, like, the Mr. Murderer plotline and, like, you know, all this guilt and this person who's potentially blackmailing Dan wasn't going on at the same time, I feel like this would be a little bit more compelling for me. Yeah. Yeah. But it just doesn't work for me right now. No, it doesn't work for me either. I don't think dan should have anything to do with karen's life at all Mm -hmm. but here we are he just never goes away and uh (laughs) karen's about to embark on round two with a new baby i know and speaking of round two i want to put this uh scene in your back pockets as well so Haley initially sees karen throwing the crib away and that's what Haley is, you know, just gives her a hug and saying, like, oh, congratulations. And she's like, oh, I haven't seen you in so long. I'm like, you saw her yesterday, Haley, if we're going by the actual timeline. Of <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure you're fine. But anyway, not the point I wanted to make. Haley uh, says to Karen, she says, um, well, it'll be easier this time, right? I mean, being pregnant at 17 was probably really difficult for you and your family and your friends you had to confide in and 
And then that's when Karen says, like, oh, tell me, Haley, like, is Brooke pregnant? Like, do you know? And then Haley's like, I don't. Yeah, well, we know Haley knows something. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So... I don't, I don't know. Speaking of which, you want to just, like, you know, dive right into everything that's happening with this pregnancy? Sure. This teen pregnancy? We see there's a scene where Brooke is uh, has a pillow underneath her shirt, and she's, like, measuring herself. And then that's when Rachel catches her, and then Brooke is just like, oh, I'm thinking of uh, making a maternity line for clothes over bros. You know, all these uh, starlets and pop stars are getting pregnant now. It's totally in. <laughs> <laughs> totally in so, I'm trying to think was this no nah, this was not when Jamie Lynn Spears got pregnant that would have happened two years later <laughs> interesting <laughs> but, so I don't know like where that line is coming from or what that's called that's the one but interesting but yeah so Rachel notices that and then Brooke quickly tr- tries to just say like oh it's a maternity line for clothes over bros and then this is when Brooke eventually goes to Karen's cafe, talks to Haley, and says that, like, you know, R- Rachel saw me, like, she, she saw me. And then Haley is like, hold on, what? Like, you know, she, she just makes it clear that the two of them should know about the pregnancy. And, like, and like that's that's it. Like, she says, considering I'm the only other person who knows about this pregnancy, don't you think Rachel should be the last person to know? Or something like that? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that conversation on Karen's cafe was funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but Haley is like very, very like high strung, like trying to be like, it's like, oh my god, like Rachel should not know. And then this is when uh, Haley asks, like, how did Lucas initially take it? Talking about last year when Brooke thought she was pregnant, and then Brooke says, like, well, last year he said he would be there for me, blah blah blah. And then Haley's like, okay, great. And then Haley walks away. And then Brooke says, everything is going to be okay, right? And Haley is like, yes, yes, of course. And then after Brooke walks away, Haley says, I sure hope so. This is all a bit cryptic. Mm -hmm. Because they're not outwardly saying (laughs) what's happening here. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of, uh, lots of weird loaded language. But Haley has to quickly go go um go back to work because deb is out for lunch like meaning she's there but she's literally out for lunch (laughs) i feel like the way they're portraying deb now is i don't like it i hate it like i honestly hate this she made that like fat shaming comment to the one lady wanting Mm -hmm. the reuben sandwich or whatever and then she's just like totally out of character Deb was never mean like this. Which, I mean, she is on drugs, so she will be mean. I know, but still. It seems rather extreme even being on drugs. I take issue with the fact that this storyline even exists in the first place. The fact that she's on drugs. Like, yes, like you can like act out of character when you're on drugs. But, and I talked about this in the last episode, too. I just really hate how we go from a Deb... Where she confesses to Dan saying, like, oh, Keith didn't try to kill you. I did. And it's, like, such a girl power moment. She walks away. She has, like, this big, like, powerful, like, exit. And then we go here where she's like, oh, Dan, like, you're threatening me? Oh, gotta go to pills now. And it just doesn't seem like a natural progression for her character at all. Also, what happened to the restraining order? 
that was against Dan? That's who! <laughs> I just thought of that. Like, remember there was the restraining order for Nathan and Deb? Yeah. Nathan didn't really ever fully follow it, but, like, why is Deb not following it? Yeah, like, Deb could literally be like, hey, Dan, you're here. Like, you're literally, ch- you know, you're literally uh, choking me. But but then again, she, I guess you can recognize the fact that Dan can use that against her, the fact that she tried to kill him. But, I don't know, this just seems very weird for her. And then she, <laughs> she drops a gun from her purse, shoots out a window, and she's just like, oops. Yeah, it is, it's just not Deb. And I understand she has an addiction, but like, even with that, wow, this is totally not Deb. I don't like this at all, where this, the direction of this storyline. Yeah, like, I could see her, like, you know, being, like, being an asshole to, like, a customer or something like that, but, like, to immediately, like, drop a gun and just be like, oops, oh my god, silly me. I feel like if this was real life, that would be, like, a wake-up call for her, where she's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I need some, you know, I, I may need a little bit of help. And it just feels like this whole entire addiction storyline lacks nuance. Because, I don't know, you hear about, you hear about like, uh, people with, like, addictions, so, like, you know, they'll drink or or take, like, you know, drugs, like, while they're on the clock or whatnot, but they'll only take enough to the point where it's, like, where they can still function and whatnot at work. That just seems like Deb just goes from zero to 60 immediately. Like, we saw her go back to pills in the coda of the last episode, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, boom, she has an addiction. There, I feel like there should be more of, like, a gradual progression to this, and it just seems like it's just happening, like, all at once. Well, they wanted this storyline, clearly, to be part of the season, so they're just jumping immediately into it. Same with the whole brother thing. Like, that was thrown (laughs) immediately, and here we are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, and, you know, and and if you watch the, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, too, if you watch the deleted scenes from the season three finale... Like, there is so much, like, extra content with Deb, and please, listeners, I encourage you to watch those scenes on YouTube if you do not have the DVDs, because they are really, really great. Like, she sets clear boundaries with Dan, like, after she makes the confession, and then they ended up not using it, so instead they decide to pursue this storyline instead. Um, But it, I feel like that just would have been so much more interesting if they went with their original path. I know, yeah, it was way more intriguing to see Deb stand up for herself and confess to Dan in the finale. Mm-hmm. Just like, that to me, it was a way more interesting direction this could have went and kind of took the weak way out. Like, just give her an addiction and she's already like, yeah, zero to 60 immediately. <laughs> Here we are, that's what we're going to explore. Like you said, with no nuance at all, it's just, Boom, she has an addiction. Mm-hmm. You don't really get to see much of her internal struggle. Um, the, yeah, the whole restraining order should have been explored. There's a lot of, there's some plot holes here, I think. Yeah. If you do want to see a really good uh, addiction storyline with some good nuance, I suggest watching the final season of The Bold Type. And you can see Megan Fahey's character have an alcohol addiction. And the way that is portrayed is very thoughtful. It's not a zero to 60 type thing. I feel like a lot of media like portrays like addictions like that, where it's like they take pills once, all of a sudden they're an addict. But like, you know, yeah. that storyline does a really great job with it. Megan Fahey of White Lotus fame, Emmy nominee. 
Thank yes. you very much. Yes. <laughs> For, you know, those who are a little bit less on the, more into like the mainstream culture. <laughs> and at this point, when this episode is released, the Emmys would be over, right? I mean, with the writer strike and the saga after, who knows? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Does that stop the award shows? No, it, it has actually. It's, in, uh, it's being postponed till November. At least as of this recording. Oh, okay. I didn't I know that. I say. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, no, that is that is being postponed because there's nobody to write the Emmys. <laughs> Got it. So, like right now, I think there's like a placeholder for the day. It's supposed to air in September, but it could uh, air like later in November or January. But... Who knows? We're going to keep this in the episode, and hopefully we will be proven wrong, and hopefully we can say, Megan Fahey, Emmy winner. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, But anyway, oh, another... You know what this also reminds me of? I feel like I'm just going to keep like reminding myself of different shows. There is a Brady Bunch spinoff show called The Brady's that aired in the early 90s. It lasted for like six episodes because it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but there is one episode where Marsha <laughs> goes has an alcohol addiction, and she all of a sudden starts drinking, and then she goes to rehab, and then she like gets help, and it's all in the span of one one-hour episode. Oh my god. <laughs> That's what this reminds me of. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so... Anyway, didn't mean to go off on the tangent about, like, different media portrayals of addiction, but... No, it's a good good uh, comparison, though. Mm-hmm. But Karen confronts Deb. She finds out about the pills, and then tells her that Deb needs to go back to rehab, or she will dissolve their partnership. And Deb drops her purse, and her pills go out, fall out, and she's picking them up one by one, and Karen is looking at her, judging which we all should be because that's Deb's at a really low point. And then Deb turns to leave because she grabbed the last one and Karen's like, it's an Altoid. And she puts it in her purse anyway. <laughs> and it should be noted that we, we didn't say that soon. Deb quits as well. Yes, yes. So she walks away from Karen and her partnership entirely. You gotta love that line, though. <laughs> it's an it's Altoid. An Altoid. <laughs> <laughs> Was that actually an Altoid, I wonder? It might have been. <laughs> huh. I mean, like, I don't think Altoids are usually that small, are they? Are they usually yeah, a some of them bigger? are small. Yep. I could, I could buy if it was, like, a TikTok. <laughs> like, maybe say, like, it's a TikTok. There's, like, the mini Altoids, so maybe. Oh, okay, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but- <laughs> That's beside the point. It was a funny line. And, uh... Yeah, that was that was a good one. Do you want to talk about another um, out of nowhere storyline? <laughs> Peyton's brother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, this this was just thrown in like in the last episode because we saw Peyton call and then hang up, and then in this episode she tries calling again and explaining who she is and that her mom's Ellie Harp and her brother Derek on the phone says don't call here again and that's it and hangs up so Mm. it's really like really difficult for Peyton like oh I feel for her in that moment it's like wow she's trying to like she's building up the courage she's trying to make a connection and this person doesn't want anything to do with her 
I feel like this is a very interesting character development moment for Peyton as well, because, you know, she's never really been able to, like, let people in, and now here she is actually trying to let somebody in. Yep. And I feel like that's really interesting for her, and I feel like I never really appreciated that. Even though the storyline is completely out of left field and kind of thrown in there, I do kind of like, like, what they're doing with Peyton as a result of it being thrown in there. Yeah, I like that too, because she's actively making the effort and she doesn't have to like she could just let it go um considering she just found out about it you know what i mean like (laughs) which is wild to me that ellie would never have mentioned it in person (laughs) (laughs) but we talked about that before (laughs) by the way remember remember when uh, her birth mother came to visit her (laughs) remember when she came to town and said that she was her birth mom oh my god Remember, we didn't spend a whole season talking about it. <laughs> and also, like, what you wonder what reason does Derek have to not want to talk to Peyton at all? Like, that to me is interesting. That someone would get a phone call like that and not at least be interested to hear, like, a little bit about who this person is and how they, like, how Peyton found out about him. You know? Like... You just, you hear Ellie harp and then don't call here again and hang up. I can relate to that, actually. <laughs> or, gosh, are we about to like go like deep? I don't even know if I should talk about this in the space of a podcast, but here we are. Here we go. Oh, okay. Do I know this? <laughs> I don't know if you know this, actually. If not, cool. You get to find out. <laughs> um, but I feel like this really just goes to, this depends on, like, how much of a connection you have with, like, family, like, what family means to you at the end of the day. I can tell you that, like, you know, you know, that, like, I do love my family, don't get me wrong, but I don't have necessarily, like, that tight of a relationship with everybody in there. For example, I do have a brother who completely left the family, abandoned the family, when I was five, so I never really even had, like, a relationship with him, like... I have memories of him, but, like, I just have, like, no, like, recollections whatsoever. But he had a kid, and that kid actually reached out to me on, uh, on social media, saying, hi, I'm so-and-so's daughter, um, just trying to find family. And I'm like, I did not know what to say to this. I'm like, I'm, like, three years older than this person, for one thing. And I just didn't really know, like, what to what to say about that or, like, you know, to, like, welcome somebody into my life like that. It was just really weird for me. Wow. So did you say anything? I didn't respond back, no. Really? Yeah. Huh. This seems vaguely familiar, but you have not talked about this with me in a long <laughs> time. So it's, like, new information. Yeah. But... So that's why I'm like, I can, I feel like I can understand it to an extent. It's just like, you know, like, what, if I was Peyton's brother, I'd be like, what do you, like, what do you want? Like, what do you want out of this? You know? Yeah. And we don't know anything about this, about this person. Like, you know, what his, like, background is like. Like, does he have a toxic relationship with, like, his blood relatives or anything like that? Like, you, you don't know. There's so much to unpack there. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know. That's why I'm kind of wondering about it. Like, what is the dynamic here? What is Derek's life experience, you know, in relation to this this shared father? Does he know about, like, does he even know who Ellie is? Like, what what is the situation to get him to say, no, I don't call here again? 
that's more so what I'm wondering about. Like, what what's the backstory? It, yeah. But you have a valid point, you know, if there is family drama and tension and things, like, it's kind of hard to make that connection and you don't know what, if you do open up to this person, you don't really know what could then happen. Because, mm-hmm. so. like, because keep in mind, there's so much, there's so much we don't know. Like, did, uh, did Ellie, was Ellie, like, the other woman in this situation where, like, you know, his dad, like, left to be with her? Like, we don't know. And I feel like, you know, it's completely valid for him to just be like, no, I'm just not interested. Yeah. Um, but Peyton decides to keep pursuing him. She makes a video and posts it on the internet. But why does she <laughs> think that Derek would be looking for that? I think it just might be might be a way of like you know maybe the video will go viral maybe maybe people will share it and then maybe it'll like end up in Derek's inbox or something. I guess <laughs> the fact that he would even see that or know about it is pretty slim. Like the chance of that. <laughs> she tells Derek to check out her MySpace page because literally everything you would ever want to know about her is on there. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, well, those were the days. <laughs> so, let's abruptly change the subjects. <laughs> <laughs> That's a segue. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's the best segue. So, Skills um, may potentially be joining the team because early on in the episode, we see uh, Lucas slashes Whitey's tires, which is, like, very extreme, and then says, hey, you need a ride, coach? And then he takes him to the river core. And something I didn't think of until this watch, in a way, Lucas is fulfilling the Keith role to an extent. Oh, that's what I was just gonna say. <laughs> oh, damn it, I'm sorry. <laughs> we had the same thought. Yes. Do you, want to say, do, you, do you want to say it, like, right now, and then I'll be, like, shocked? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay, but I, I noticed that, too, and I don't think I had ever picked up on that in past watches of the season um it's kind of it's a nice like full circle moment because now we're like in season four and this is our last season of of high of the high school years and it's cool to see like keith is no longer with us but like lucas is trying to do do some good in in a way that keith would have done and had done in the past with lucas so i like that whitey is giving skills a chance to be on the team and i it's like it's a long time coming i feel like skills i think i said this before but probably in the last episode <laughs> skills should have been on this team already like i'm so glad that he's gonna be on it now yeah absolutely it's very late to be joining a team but like this is a great moment to for lucas to to help his friend get on the team and yeah, like Whitey said, like the last time he took took a chance with someone, it was with Lucas. So now, like it's the same thing could happen with Skills. So it's just like a feel good storyline in this episode. Yes, that happens in Dakota, but I'm gonna let it go. <laughs> it's kind of hard not to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really do like this, and I and I really like that Skills is getting more to do and. That has to be a result of the fact that Antoine Tanner is a regular this season yeah. now, so they automatically want to give him more to do. Like, even some of his uh, scenes with, like, Lucas and Peyton, those are really funny. Like, how he uh, he's looking through Peyton's records, and he's like, you got any ho- hip-hop in here? And Peyton's like, oh, just some old school. But if you find a letter in a Led Zeppelin album, Led Zeppelin, 
gonna let that go. <laughs> if you find a letter from a Led Zeppelin album and talking about my brother that I never met, just go ahead and skip that one. And then Skills is like, man, what does he say? Skills is like, you know, that sounds like a whole lot of white girl drama. I really don't understand, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <sighs> so, Skills is cool. I'm glad we get to see more of him. I'm glad we get to see Antoine Tanner do some things. Yes, for sure. It's definitely refreshing this season to see him on screen more. Yes. All right. So it is March 4th. It is Brooke's birthday. <laughs> I Yeah, that that's interesting that they included her birthday because they don't really include characters' birthdays on One Tree Hill. Yeah, much. They do not. It's like not really a thing. So do you want me to, like, you know, tell you some, like, little deep dive facts I found here? Go for it. So, if you pay attention to the birth certificate that Brooke is opening, it says that her birthday is March 4th, 1989. If you do the math, she would turn 17 if this was March 4th, 2006. Okay? And we know that this has taken place in 2006 because Jimmy died during the second half of the school year. There are some episodes where you see that his death date is January 23rd, and others where it's March 1st. I'm more inclined to believe it's the January 23rd date, because if this is March 4th, that means Brooke's birthday would just be three days after the school shooting. And I don't buy that for a second. <laughs> they had no idea but, what they were doing. <laughs> but regardless, this is 2006, <laughs> so Brooke would not turn 18 until 2007, I am just saying here. How did they mess that up so much? I don't, they just don't under they don't understand continuity at all. That's like such an easy thing, like to put the birth date on there. You could just put March fourth, nineteen eighty eight, and then that would be that would be it. That would be fine. But I think maybe they just weren't thinking about that. They're like, oh well, the season's ending in two thousand seven, so let's just say it's two thousand seven, and they're going to completely ignore the fact that the tombstones for Jimmy say that he died in two thousand six. Like, come on now. I'm so confused. <laughs> Just so confused. Do you want to say it or shall I? <laughs> Time has no meaning in Tree Hill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting that they had Brooke's birthday in this episode. Like, because like I said, that is like not a typical thing in One Tree Hill to be celebrating birthdays. And the reason they did this was to really show that like lost friendship between Brooke and Peyton and how Peyton has all of these memories with Brooke and this history of what they do on her birthday, stealing, stealing, quote unquote, stealing the item, even though Peyton would pay for it <laughs> later on without Brooke knowing. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of funny. Um, yeah. So I, th I feel like that was an interesting way for them to like explore this past friendship, but also for a way for Peyton to then help Lucas get Brooke back, but that doesn't actually work. And instead, Peyton and Lucas have, like, they're kind of building their friendship more so than, like, getting Brooke back. And these scenes are very subtle, too. Yeah. I really, yeah, they are. I, I enjoyed them, actually. Yeah. They were really, they really truly were friends in this episode, I think. Yeah, and I like the scene where Peyton uh, walks up to Lucas at the river court, and she says, when all of your dreams come true, who is standing next to you? 
yeah, I just want to say Hillary's acting in this scene right here. I feel like it's very subtle because you can tell there's like a twinge of disappointment. But you can tell she's like, you know what, though? My friendship with Lucas matters a little bit more. So, you know what? I'm going to help you get her back. Yeah, you're right. There was a very subtle thing. I noticed that, too. Like, the way she kind of looks down or away. She's like, okay, that hurts. But at the same time, I'm going to help you because both of you Mm -hmm. are my friends. You kind of wonder, like, I kind of wonder about Luke's response. Do you think that's a genuine response that Brooke is truly the one he would want next to him? I feel like this is the truth for him right now. Yeah, He's hurting. Feelings can change, yes. Because he's heartbroken over what happened with Brooke, and I feel like that's who he wants that to be right now. Yeah. So. And there's not, not a ton of closure there with Brooke yet, so... And that's when, like, you know, Peyton uh, invites Lucas to this little ritual. So they get in a car. She tells Peyton, or she tells uh, Lucas to just, uh, to just go off and she'll be waiting there. So Lucas goes alone. And it's very interesting. I feel like it's really cool that Lucas actually suggested for Peyton to go in instead. So the two of them could patch up their friendship. But Peyton's like, no, this is my birthday present for Brooke. Yeah. And, and I just gotta say that, like, why did Peyton have to, like, walk inside to find Lucas? Like, she said she was gonna be waiting. Like, just wait in the car. <laughs> I know, because then, of course, Brooke <laughs> shows up at closing, and then they're walk- Peyton and Lucas are walking out with their arms around each other. But it is just, like, a friend moment. It is, but of course, like, you know, if, after everything that Brooke went through, like, you're gonna see something like that, you're gonna, like, immediately jump to conclusions. And yes, I always talk about how, like, these characters should just talk to each other, but I feel like this is a situation where it's like, I really don't think talking about it would do any good, because there's a lot of feelings involved yeah. here. Yeah, I agree. I think I think they all just need some time, honestly. Yes. And I wanted to talk about the scene with Rachel and Brooke at the bar. Oh, yes. Because... Right before Brooke showed up at the store and saw Payne and Lucas, she was at the bar with Rachel. And Rachel makes, I wanted to read this quote because I thought that was interesting. Because Brooke's like all upset still about how everything went down with Lucas and Payton. And they're just talking about it and everything. And, and Rachel says, okay, let me get this straight. You don't have feelings for Lucas anymore. Peyton does, but she's willing to hide those feelings if you ask her to. Sounds like a pretty great friend to me. I like how Rachel is like the voice of reason in this moment. (laughs) She really is. (laughs) And Brooke doesn't actually say anything to all of that at all. You know, she's thinking, but she doesn't really, she doesn't respond to what Rachel said. Right. Right, but I feel like, and I feel like maybe Brooke was taking that in, but then seeing Lucas and Peyton together at the store, I feel like that was just like, okay, well, you know what, never mind. Maybe I would have been willing to make up for this. Yeah. Because who knows, like, maybe she was actually going to the store to find Peyton. Yeah, that's what, um, yeah, she, how would she ever know that Luke would be there, you know what I mean? So Yeah, exactly. She was probably going there to find Peyton. Yes. And to, like, relive those memories. And... What Rachel said to Brooke is what got, like, motivated Brooke to, like, go to the store and, and see if Peyton was there. So, yeah, just the timing is everything on these TV shows, right? Like, of course she had to arrive <laughs> when they're walking out, arms around each other. It stinks. But 
after that, then you see Lucas and Peyton in, in her car. And they're reminiscing about best birthdays. Jeremy, I have a question for you. What is your question for me, Caitlin? <laughs> Do you have a favorite birthday? I want to hear about it. And I'm putting you oh on the spot. Because you like to do this to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, you know, both Lucas and Peyton, like, you know, talked about, like, particular childhood memories. And I thought it was very interesting that Lucas talked about the first time he felt like a real family with uh, Karen and Keith. Yep. And then Peyton talked about the last time she felt like a real family when her mom was still alive. And uh, and then they both said that they would uh, give anything to have that back. And I just think that's really interesting, the show. Like, it really shows Lucas and Peyton's bonding, I should say. Even though I'm not a Leighton shipper, I do like that this how this is developing, and it's really great. But anyway, to answer your question now, I don't have, like, any childhood memories. <laughs> That like uh like Lucas and Peyton like are, are related. It doesn't to, matter but, any birthday. But the minute you asked me, I immediately thought about uh just a few years ago. It was uh twenty twenty. So if all of you remember, the year twenty twenty was just pure hell. <laughs> uh. You know, global pandemic and everything like that. And also, my birthday is in October. Just and it was just a few weeks before the presidential election. Like 2020 sucked <laughs> in general. All of like my time was just spent on social media, just like doom scrolling. Like you know, it was just it was awful. So for that day for my birthday, I knew I wasn't gonna have like a big day where I like went out or anything like that. But what I made a vow to myself to do was I would not check social media that entire day i would have my phone off i did not have my phone off i had it on but i didn't look at social media i deleted all apps and i just made sure to just spend that entire day like technology free and i was so at peace that day (laughs) i'm sure and it was like much needed for like that particular time in my life i think and yeah, I just I just chilled the entire day for 24 hours. I, I played video games. I like, you know, watched TV and I just made sure not to have my phone by me. That's refreshing. So, yeah, so that was, I was going to say, that's like a quote unquote best birthday, I guess you could say. <laughs> that's amazing. What about you? So the birthday that always stands out to me is my 16th birthday. Oh, God. Because I had a group of friends and we went to... We went to Olive Garden for dinner. <laughs> okay. Olive Garden's great. Breadsticks? Hell yeah. And then we had a sleepover after, and I just have, like, such fond memories of that. Like, I don't know. It always stands out to me as my favorite birthday. It was so fun. And, I don't know, that time in your life, like, that was a fun birthday. Like, 16, right? Yeah, that's, like, a milestone. And it's when you're young and care for yeah, it, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of fond memories about that. I, I could think of so many different birthdays that were fun. Remember, you came to my birthday party when I was little? I don't remember what yes. age it was, maybe like seven or something. <laughs> yeah, I think it was the seventh birthday, yeah. And it was a bowling party. Mm-hmm. And yep. you gave me a Barbie. I can't remember which one it was. Do you remember? It was Rapunzel. It was Rapunzel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was the cool one. It was like one of the things where you like you uh you touched the crown and then the hair would like fall yes, down. Yes. Yes. Okay. I remembered you gave me one, but I couldn't remember exactly. I didn't know if it was 
I was thinking Rapunzel or Pocahontas, but yeah. Definitely Rapunzel. And the reason why I remember that it's Rapunzel is because I wanted that doll, that toxic masculinity and like, you know, bullies can't play with dolls, like, wouldn't allow me to do it. So this was, I guess, like my way to be like, Aww. and of course, like it was my mom who paid for it. <laughs> but I'm like, mom, get Caitlin that doll. Oh, <laughs> Jeremy, that makes me sad. <laughs> I'm sorry, I took your doll. You could have borrowed it. You ta- I mean, you didn't take it. It was just like, society took it from yes. me. And this is just my way of like, you know what? Like, this is my way of passing it on to somebody else. But I remember that doll was like always in commercials. And I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> oh my God, I loved Barbies. Loved them. Mm. Same. I still need to see the Barbie movie at this yes, point. Yes, you do. Yes. Hopefully by the time this episode goes live, I will have already seen it. <laughs> I hope so, because it's not going to be in theaters by the time this episode airs, I'm sure. It, it, it will be probably out of theaters, yeah, who knows. But I do need to say it. But... Alright, are we ready for this coda? Yes, yeah, so let's dive into this. So, right as uh, Lucas and Peyton drive off, we hear the quote, There are moments in our lives when we find ourselves at a crossroads. And you notice this quote said twice? Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> it's said right before they drive off, and then again, like, as they drive off to the river court where Lucas says he does his best healing. Yeah, it's strange. Oh, and also, I just want to note, the song that's playing is The Man Who Told Everything by Doves. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I forgot to mention that. <laughs> so after that part, we see Rachel, she puts her clothes on and leaves the bedroom that she was in with... The guy that she presumably just slept with. Was she hooking up with both of them, or was there, or was there just one? I think there was just one in the bed. Hmm. I was like, Rachel for. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So we hear that quote. Yeah, we hear that quote again, like you said, and then we also hear "afraid, confused, without a roadmap." Yeah, so then we go to Brooke and Rachel's room, and then that's when Brooke is, like, looking at the scrapbook, like, just uh, reflected on memories. And then we hear the quote, the choices we make in those moments can define the rest of our days. Ooh, that was dramatic. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> then we're on the road with Dan, and he is basically hallucinating and seeing the word murderer on the side of a truck. And we hear... Of course, when faced with the unknown, most of us prefer to turn around and go back. Then we go to the river core, and then this is when Whitey tells Lucas that he is going to put skills on the team. And then, and just like you said earlier, Lucas is like, oh, what made you change your mind? And then Whitey's like, you did. And then this is when Lucas tells Skills that he just became a raven, and they have this big, like, bro hug, and it's really cute. Yeah, it is. As, as the quote um reads as the quote reads whatever what are words <laughs> but, <laughs> but once in a while people push on to something better now we're at brooke and rachel's room and brooke's still looking at her scrapbook of memories and specifically the the memory from last year her 17th birthday which is sad because now they're torn apart i know and you hear Something found just beyond the pain of going it alone. And then we go to the front of Peyton's house. She walks in. She starts to walk into her front door. And then that's what she sees. There's a man sitting on her porch. She's like, and the guy is like, are you Peyton? And then he stands up and he's like, 
I guess I'm your brother. Whoa. Honestly, like, she just talked to him on the phone, and he said, <laughs> um, don't call here again, and now he's showing up and knows where she is and everything? Interesting. It's very interesting. Also, he is quite a hottie. Uh-huh. <laughs> did you read the narration part? No, oh, I did okay. not. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, like, reflecting. I'm like, yo, Derek's a hottie. <laughs> Forgive me. And the quote reads, And just beyond the bravery and courage it takes to let someone in. Now we're at Karen's. And she is smiling while looking at the crib that Dan had put back together. And you hear, or to give someone a second chance. So sounds like Karen is considering a second chance. So we can tell because Lucas is such a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is what he is doing on yes. the front porch. As the quote says, as the quote says, why can't I say real words? As we hear the quote, <laughs> something. <laughs> Something beyond the quiet persistence of a dream. And then we're in Brooke and Rachel's room again. Rachel gives Brooke a cupcake with a candle on it, which is nice. And that's when Rachel calls Brooke a boring old shrew. It's <laughs> <laughs> cute. And then Rachel's looking at her camera and a photo of Nathan on it. And then that's when Brooke says, is there anyone our age you think you could fall for? And then Rachel's like, Maybe. Yeah. Oh, God. Here we go. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I also want to note really quickly, if you watch the gag reel for this season. <laughs> so, the scene, in this very scene, Rachel says, the boys in Tree Hill are boring compared to Cooper. But in the gag reel, she messes up and she says, the boys in One Tree Hill are boring compared to Cooper. And then Sophia hears her say and she starts laughing. And then Daniel is like, what? What's going on? And Sophia's like, did you hear what she said? <laughs> you said the boys were in One Tree Hill. <laughs> <laughs> and then she just dies of laughter. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and she has to calm herself down. It's so funny. It's so endearing. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then we go to the bridge, and this is where Haley finds Nathan, and she, she tells Nathan, like, I found your ball at home, because Nathan previously said that he was gonna, he was gonna go shoot some baskets, and then Nathan's just like, I'm sorry, I just can't let you in right now, not until I understand what's going on, and then Haley completely understands, she says, whatever is happening, we'll get through it together, and I just really love how these two have like these really good boundaries like she completely respects the space that nathan needs to try to figure everything out it's really great and as we hear the quote because it's only when you're tested that you truly discover who you are can i just make one quick note i didn't get to mention it before yeah Haley's hair is so good in this episode (laughs) (laughs) it's okay I don't think I ever paid attention, but okay. You did it? Because, like, I noticed, I'm like, Haley has really good hair. Like, usually <laughs> Haley's hair is kind of plain, but, like, in this episode, they really did it up, and it's, like, curly and p- half pulled back, and I'm like, I really appreciate your hair. It looks really good. Okay. <laughs> that Beautiful. is a side tangent. <laughs> and then, finally, we're in Brooke and Rachel's room again. Brooke is looking at the bottom of the mug that says that she got from Peyton. Um, to my posh best friend, love always, Peyton. Yeah. And that's when she closes her scrapbook 
which now has a picture in the back of Peyton and Lucas walking out of the mall that night, which represents her now 18th birthday. Yup. And she blows out the candle from the cupcake that Rachel gave her. And that's an interesting way for the episode to end. Like, you just see the zoomed in, like, um, Brooke's mouth and then the candle and it. she blows it out. Like, it's all fully zoomed in. I think it's a way of saying, like, their friendship is going dark now. Yeah. Because of that. Because... One of the things that's very interesting, and I don't think you mentioned this just now, um, that mug that she got from Peyton, we, the audience, do not find out that it's from Peyton until that big reveal at the end. Yeah. And it's very interesting, because Brooke is, like, bringing that mug with her everywhere. Like, she's holding it. She, It's, like, such a treasured keepsake for her. And then we find out, like, oh, that's from Peyton. Crap. Yep. It is sad. And you're right. The candle is symbolic here. Blowing it out. And the last thing we hear is, and it's only when you're tested that you discover who you can be. The person you want to be does exist, somewhere on the other side of hard work and faith and belief, and beyond the heartache and fear of what lies ahead. Yeah. So that was season four, episode two. All the things that we forgot at birth. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite quote from this episode? There weren't, like, a lot to choose from for me, personally, so I'm going to go with uh, what Karen says to Dub. It's an Altoid. <laughs> and to go to my <laughs> intro, my favorite is when Skill says to Peyton, you know, that sounds like a whole lot of white girl drama I really don't understand, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And then my favorite musical moment is the coda, The Man Who Told Everything by Dubs. I'd say the same thing, because there weren't a lot of musical moments to choose from in this episode. No, I think this this episode is very uh, lackluster. I, I'm not rewatching it. I guess it's fine, like, when you're binging it and you're watching the whole season, maybe you don't notice it as much. But, like, when I'm zeroed in on this episode, I was pretty bored. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I mean, like a lot of the storylines. I don't feel like a ton happened. You're right. The music, when I was going through the playlist, I'm like, I don't even remember any of these songs. There's really no major musical <laughs> moments except the coda. Everything else is just kind of like subtle background music. And um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of this episode. I'm kind of like <laughs> unsure about my rating. I had written one thing and I, I don't know. I feel like I liked it back in 2006 because I feel like there's like there's so much stakes that are ramping up because of like... Oh, like, you know, we have a teen pregnancy on the show. We have Deb, who is, like, going off the rails with her pill addiction. And looking back on it now, I realize, like, this isn't, like, a good storyline. Yeah. <laughs> we, we see the fact that, like, oh, Keith is, a, you know, Keith may be alive or something. So I feel like there is, like, back then, I feel like I looked a little bit more highly on it. But nowadays, being in my late 20s, and, uh... <laughs> Just uh, don't you dare laugh at that. <laughs> I, I look back on it on this a little bit differently, but I don't know. I still feel like I give it three out of five posh spice mugs. I'm going to be honest. I'm between a two and a three, and I have not given an episode a two in a long time. I don't even remember. I don't think you've ever given a two. <laughs> there might have only been one occasion. I, I, I can't really recall. Maybe I haven't given a two. I don't know. Your posh spice mugs, you said? 
yes, that is my scale. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe a two is a little too harsh, but... uh, Give it a two. If you're speaking to you, give it a two. (laughs) It it didn't really do much for me, this episode at all. It doesn't. And I feel like, you know, like I said earlier, like, I feel like a lot of these, uh, a lot of these characters are doing things that aren't consistent with what we know already. Yeah. But I still feel like it's fine. It is passable. Yeah, so I, I guess I'll just go with two out of five 17-year-old baby crips. Because <laughs> I can't Cute. let that go. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. Live your truth, Caitlin. Live your truth. <laughs> uh, yeah, this, this season, like, listeners, we promise there are, there are episodes that we like. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, I don't know. The premiere was eh. And I remember I gave that a three. This episode to me is worse than that. So I think it is appropriate that I give it a two. It was just Go me, for it. to me. But there are, <laughs> for sure, there are definitely episodes that are five out of five in this. Four out of five, five so, out of five. Yeah, so don't think that we hate this season. Like, it's not our favorite by any means. It's not as good as season three. But there's just a lot of a lot of inconsistencies a lot of problems <laughs> with many episodes this season yeah unfortunately <gasps> it's how it goes right <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right y'all thank you for listening to this episode <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to us right <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we didn't tear the episode apart, but, like, we... No, there were things we liked. I even, like, gave a lot of space for Peyton and Lucas. Yeah, yeah. For what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, so. I think I think we were fair. Ultimately. We are. We were fair. We are. Listeners, let us, <laughs> let us know. What, do you, what, what rating do you give this episode? <laughs> I know. I would love to know other people's ratings for these episodes. Like, share that in the Discord, or on social media i'm interested to know like what the consensus is i would love that we we do have uh one listener to give a little shout out to one of our patrons jenna Jenna lee she actually like uh rates the episode for like pretty much like every single one of our instagram posts (laughs) and just like you know just gives like gives her general thoughts and i would welcome like everybody to do the same thing yeah that'd be cool so please do that because like was i too harsh <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but jeremy's been harsh hey, before us. and i haven't been so like i feel like i don't know yeah critique us too please we welcome it <laughs> honestly so thanks for listening to our episode of always and forever you can find us on twitter instagram tiktok and facebook at always oth pod you can also email us at always oth pod at gmail.com that's always O-T-H- P-O-D. And who knows if we'll be on Twitter for much longer. Honestly. <laughs> Stay tuned for that, folks. We, we, don't, we don't know. <laughs> um, but Always and Forever is also on Patreon. You can support us over on patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for the tune of $2 or more a month to gain access to special perks, such as our Discord server, where you can chat with us and other listeners. Our bonus episodes, which includes our spoiler-full mini-episodes, our Drama Queen's Reaction Podcast, Royal Review, 
and our movie podcast, Baker Soundstage. Just last month, or two months ago, I should say, we uh, released an episode on Freaky Friday. And if you're a patron at the $10 level, you will also receive early episode releases before anyone else. Yes. I'm excited about our spoilerful mini episodes. Like, stay tuned for some interesting topics, because yes, <laughs> it's about to get fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited for the next one we have yep. planned, personally. <laughs> but if you can't support us on Patreon, you can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So that's the easiest way to support us and to help One Tree Hill fans, new and old, find us. And if you leave us a five-star review and only a five-star review, <laughs> we may read it on the show. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> please. I am Cherry Rodriguez, and for now at least, you can follow me on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. And I'm Caitlin Elinich, and you can maybe follow me on Twitter at Miss Irene. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> we'll be seeing We'll be seeing ya. That was, that sounded good. Yeah. Two thumbs up. Yeah. Not like this episode. Yeah. Two thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> One thumb up at the very least, okay? <laughs>